I had a, a best friend when I was growing up named Matt. Uh, when I was uh, born, I think that was like the most popular name. So in my, um, in my grade school class, there was a Matt M, a Matt C, a Matt S. I was on a baseball team, and there were all manner of Matts. But one of those Matts was my uh, best friend. And I have a few uh, vivid memories of uh, my relationship with him in, in elementary school. And uh, one, uh, we uh, were sitting with another boy, and we were very young, must have been uh, you know, uh, second, third grade, or something like that. And uh, they were talking about um, uh, uh, like a, a party where people were taking lots of pictures and giving them gifts and uh, saying like how they fe felt kind of famous. And I didn't know really what was going on. And I just sort of wanted to act like I knew what they were talking about. And I was kind of like, I know, right? And uh, they said, y you don't know what you're talking about. You're not, uh, you don't know what we're talking about. You're not a, a Catholic. They were talking about First Communion. They had had their First Communion and were so excited about it and knew I wasn't there, although I was pretending. And I just felt totally deflated uh, and sort of called out as, uh, you know, uh, an unworthy sort of outsider. I was a Gentile, basically. Um, and another memory I have of, uh, of the other Matt, um, I, you know, I was probably until about high school just sort of a, an average student, you know, middle tier, um, you know, never really striving to do really well, not yet never kind of failing. But I remember sort of around this time that he and some other students were taken away out of the class to go somewhere else, to this like other school for this other program for a little while. And it was called GATE. And I, I was like, what is GATE? And they told me it stands for Gifted and Talented Education. And I actually looked it up when I was preparing for this, and it's something that still exists. And apparently, it's a, a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, but I was like, well, I guess that means I'm not gifted and talented enough to go to this education program. And again, felt completely uh, deflated by this sort of uh, gated community, basically, which has a great name, um, you know, keeping Gentiles like me out. And needless to say, after things like this with the other Matt, and there are many other stories, our, uh, our friendship did not endure. Uh, <laughs> because I just couldn't keep up with him. And he, was, he loved letting me know um, that, uh, that truth. Well, there's a, there's a similar sort of boundary in the story of uh, Jesus' encounter with a Syrophoenician woman uh, in our gospel reading that we had today. And just some points of, uh, to note before I sort of get into the meat of what I want to talk about, that this is uh, the furthest north in Gentile territory that, uh, that Jesus travels. Um, and this region of Tyre and Sidon is basically where modern uh, Lebanon is today. And Lebanon's in the news, if you don't know, because of, they're not picking up the trash and everybody's upset because the, the government there is in total gridlock and, and nobody's picking up the trash. And a lot of this has to do with there's no president right now and uh, there's also tons of other turmoil in the country with uh, refugees coming in from Syria. But basically, that's where uh, this is taking place. Tyre and Sidon still exist on the coast of Lebanon. And the region at the time was, of course, Gentile. Um, uh, but it did have a, uh, a large settlement of resettled Jewish people. I mean, there was a diaspora, a dispersion of Jewish people outside of uh, Jerusalem and Israel. And so uh, there were some in this area. And so uh, this... Syrophoenician woman, or as in Matthew, she's called the Canaanite, 
she seeks Jesus out. Um, she's desperate. Uh, she's a Gentile, uh, but her deities, or the Baals, appear to be of no help to her. Um, uh, she goes to Jesus uh, instead uh, because she's not finding help uh, in, in the other deities, uh, asking to cast out a demon from her daughter. That was the, the desperation that she had. Now, listen to the exchange that they have. Uh, this is uh, really fascinating. Uh, and he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs basically referring to her and people like her. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Well, what's going on here? This uh, sort of odd encounter that, doesn't, that seems a lot unlike uh, Jesus to, to sort of blatantly insult this woman or what appears to be an insult. There are basically three comparisons or metaphors that are happening in, in his statement. First is the bread. Well, the bread is his message about himself, the gospel, the good news. And the children are the Jewish people uh, in the diaspora and elsewhere. They're the children that he's referring to who should have the bread first. And the dogs, therefore, are the Gentiles. And not just the Greeks, but anybody who's not uh, Jewish. And this apparently was a common slur at the time to call Gentiles dogs. And so she understood exactly what he was talking about. And so Jesus' response is, of course, surprising and uh, seems offensive. Uh, but uh, considering his uh, response, um, uh, he, considering her response, uh, after what she says to him, he says this, uh, for this statement, you may go your way, and the demon has left your daughter. Her response, of course, was, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And because of her uh, getting what's going on here and responding in the way that she, she does with faith, he says, for this statement, you may go your way and the demon has left your daughter. So we can conclude that Jesus uh, was speaking in a way to sort of test her faith, uh, to see how she would respond. And her response is surprising because of its humility. I mean, most people are not this humble. Uh, she humbly accepts that God first calls Israel and not the Gentiles. She understands this truth. Uh, and because of her humility, Jesus honors her request. Well, compare what she says about being a dog, or what he says, and how she humbly accepts that she's a dog. Compare that to a, f a prayer that's familiar, familiar to us, the uh, prayer of humble access. And by the way, uh, what we celebrate here in the evening is basically uh, an amalgamation of what we call right one and right two. Did you know that? We're a right one parish, and yet we want to kind of be modern here. And so I've like stuck things like the prayer of humble access into right two, where it doesn't normally belong, uh, and given it, given it modern language. But here it is in, in the right one language. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. 
basically, that prayer, uh, among other places, explicitly grabs from this passage between Jesus and the Canaanite woman uh, and her humble acceptance of, of, uh, of being a dog at the dog's eat the crumbs under the table. So it's a, a reference to that language. And like I said, though, uh, in times of old, that was a common prayer in our uh, Holy Communion service. And yet with the 1979 prayer book, they, uh, they took it out and write too. Uh, and let me just read this, uh, some dusty old book from seminary I had up on my bookshelf. The, this is great bedtime reading. The Oxford Guide to the Book of Common Prayer, Worldwide Survey. Uh, you read half a page and you'll be out. Um, but uh, this is where they address the, uh, the Episcopal Church in the United States, what it has to say about the prayer of humble access. The prayer of humble access, with its abject disavowal of the people's worthiness to receive Holy Communion, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs that are thy table, was eliminated altogether from right to as a direct contradiction of the logic, sequence, and theology of the Eucharist, in which sinners are first shriven and then proclaimed worthy to stand before God. Overall, the 1979 uh, book substantially and intentionally reduces the deeply penitential tone of its 1928 predecessor. The pervasive language of unworthiness that characterized the earlier succession of American books reflected the Reformation-oriented flavor of American religion from its beginnings but clashed loudly with contemporary values and emerging images of God's relationship with the faithful, increasingly understood to be a cooperative partnership rather than an authoritarian hegemony. Well, um, I think that's unfortunate. That's too bad um, that that has happened. Um, because first of all, I think it's a beautiful prayer, um, but uh, it's good in its penitential nature. But not only is it penitential, as, as equally as it's penitential in recognizing our unworthiness so much as to gather up the crumbs under his table, it's equally merciful. I mean, if half of it is, is uh, sort of groveling, the other half just lifts us up with unbridled mercy. Uh, and there's just very few other prayers that match its sort of beauty uh, penitential nature and mercy. And so for that reason, I say it's too bad that we've taken it out of right too, and not just modernized the language, but taken it out entirely. And so that's why we weaseled it in uh, in this service. Um, well, yet even the dogs, uh, says the Syrophoenician woman. But uh, who are the dogs or the Gentiles or the Greeks now? You know, fast forward to the 21st century. Yet even the dogs, who are they? And who are the Jews now? Of course, there are Jewish people, but if we take this metaphorically speaking, who are the insiders and who are the outsiders? Who is in gate, gifted and talented education, and, and who is not? Well, Jesus was often confronting the sort of religious leaders who were smug about their status as religious and uh, smug about their status before God. So as we read this in the 21st century, uh, Christians can be like these religious, just like the Jewish leaders in the New Testament. Uh, you know, perhaps you are a smug insider resting on the laurels of your dogma. Uh, I think that's probably uh, actually less likely the case. More likely, perhaps you feel like a dog. Perhaps you feel like a dog wanting assurance of your status before God. I know that that, 
that I often feel more like a dog than I feel like a religious person resting on the laurels of my dogma, despite being a, a minister. Um, so I can empathize if that's you. Let the children be fed first, he says, uh, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And yet the prayer of humble access says, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs that are at thy table. Yes, Lord, she says, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And the prayer of humble access says, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. I've been preaching uh, my, my two most recent sermons here about how Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And that's no accident that's been appearing. It's just been appearing in the lectionary. And here again, we have some more bread because it's a common metaphor. But Jesus Christ as the bread of life, well, even the humble morsels, the crumbs under the table of this bread will keep you in everlasting life. You don't need the full loaf, but the minuscule mor morsels on the floor. So perhaps you feel urgently desperate, like the Syrophoenician woman. Perhaps uh, you feel like an outsider, a dog, uh, not gifted, not talented. Uh, know, therefore, that Jesus is for you. Uh, the humble, the unworthy, who crave even the crumbs under the table. And he is the God who can cross the borders from Israel into Tyre and Sidon, not a local deity, but the God of everyone, whose property is always to have mercy. Amen.